Girl Fridays. I'm Natalie. And I'm Marin. It's cold, I'm mad. It's cold, I'm happy. No. Yeah. You're not. I am. It's seasonally appropriate. I get to wear my best fall looks, which is my best I do. Life. I do appreciate that, but there's something about waking up in the morning. It's cold and dark. Yeah. I'm just instantly mad oh, at the world. It's my dream. How do you wake up when it's dark outside? Uh, motherhood? I don't know. I mean, um, I got here before you. You so. did. I mean, fair. Also motherhood. Um, you can't I, blame everything on motherhood. Motherhood. Um, <laughs> I think it's, I don't know, it's years of practice because I like ran for so long in the morning and it was just like, mm-hmm. sure, it's dark and gross and whatever. Here we are. I'm not allowed to ride, to ride, to run in the dark. Oh. That's a rule I've made. Oh, it's so. like, says your mom? Also my mom would oh, say okay. that. Oh, okay. I was like, what? I but, don't know. You know, I listened to enough My Favorite Murder to know that. One should never run in the night, and you're not safe in the day. Well, I was always listening to my favorite murder while running. At I like also do that. It makes me more aware. Me too. I was, and I think it's less scary to run in the morning because, like, dangerous people are sleepy. You know what I mean? Like they're like, <laughs> I've been being dangerous up until like four a.m. I got the cutoff time That's for the danger. Cutoff time for danger, <laughs> and then five thirty, they're sleeping. And there are I mean, less cars. I don't know. I've always everybody found Everybody sleeps, I guess. Everybody's got to sleep. Even dangerous. Unless they're on a drug. True. But even dangerous bad people have to sleep at some point. Um, what are you fangirling over? Still a Star is Born? A couple insane things. Ooh, love. So first of all, I went to Universal Studios Horror Nights over the past weekend. How have we not talked about it? And when I'm there, I'm always like, why did I do this? Yeah. I pay like 60 some seventy dollars to money? go. Oh yes. my god, never! It's in like a, a theme years. park admission. Never in to a go. Uh huh. But they do great work. <laughs> I'm like, this is worth it. After the next morning, I'm like, wow, I want to go again. What? If I mean, I can't really afford it, but if I could, I would. It was so fun when you look back on it. Yes, did I scream the whole time? Of course. I mean, I don't know. I've talked to people in our office that are like, I'm not that scared. I'm like, how is it fun for you? It's still fun, apparently. Uh But I feel like it's only really fun when you're absolutely terrified. It's Stranger Things themed, yes? One of the mazes. There are several. Oh, I don't like that. And Stranger Things didn't make my top five. See, Stranger Things to me is like not scary in that way. It was the first maze I did, so I was terrified. Uh But they only had to work with season one, so oh. it's just Demogorgons and Joyce with an axe got me good. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Joyce, calm down. <laughs> um, but my favorite maze was Universal Monsters, which was an original maze. They didn't have to get an IP for it because mm. they own all of those monsters. Mm-hmm. And it was – I record these videos. It's like me screaming in the dark. Yeah. It was four and a half minutes long. The longest maze. I could not get out of it. It was so fun, nonstop screaming. Where was your phone? Frankenstein's, Dracula's, mummies, like everybody was coming out. Invisible Man. Oh. You got a Quasimodo at one point. That was questionable. How do you see the Invisible Man? They put him in like, his outfit was like a, a black light clothing and they put him in like a dark room. Ooh, kind of He was like the that. least scary. Yeah. But uh-huh. he was there. So wait, like, do you have a body cam or like, I hold it up while phone? holding my friend. And I'm, it's, it's a lot of shaking. Little, yeah, I I would pay someone to film me like when Ellen has oh, yeah, people professionally. Go that's, mm-hmm. that's my dream. Totally, that's all I just want. Just to be that person because I'm legitimately terrified. Oh yeah, yet you like it. Yeah, it's fun. The other thing, also, I say equally as crazy. Okay, 
I watched the season premiere of Riverdale last night. I saw your story. And it was, it took a turn. So, first of all, Riverdale is very moody. Yes. it's very. It was very Twin Peaks in season one. Yeah. Like, it has set a tone. Mm-hmm. Season three kicks off with it being summertime. Whoa. So bright. Uh-huh. Really confused. A lot of muscles, a lot of shirtlessness yes. I didn't want. Uh-huh. And then... It took a supernatural, maybe, turn. Oh. So there's two things happening, one of which is this kid believes in, like, a gargoyle king, which I think is supposed to be kind of like, um, oh, no, I'm blanking. What's that super? Slenderman. Okay. You know how, like, someone believes in Slenderman? Yeah. Because Jug, spoilers, fast forward 30 seconds, I don't know, (laughs) Jughead goes to the forest and finds these, like, two kids shirtless, like, bowed down with stuff carved into their backs. And there's, like, a weird stick-like Wicker Man statue. And he pushes one over to see if they're okay. And, like, someone's, like, foaming at the mouth. What? It was insane. And then Betty wakes up in the middle of the night to find her mom and sister with her sister's twins holding their babies over a fire with some people. They drop the babies. <gasps> And then the babies are hovering over the fire like magic, and she fainted, and that was the end of the episode. <laughs> what? Was, exactly. Was Twitter all like a what? Yes. Because, so, the whole reason I heard there was never going to be a Sabrina Riverdale crossover is because Riverdale was never going to go supernatural. Mm-hmm. But what are we doing right now? What's happening? And now I'm hearing there will be a crossover, which I'm fine with, but this took a turn, and we're only in season three. Are you okay with it? I don't know. You needed to see the follow-up. Yep. That shirtlessness. Those boys seem fake. Oh, they are not real. Because like you Ken see dolls. Cole Sprouse, and he is a normal human, normal human. person, but uh-huh. he looks like a toddler in comparison. Yeah. What? They're, like, too smooth. Too I don't smooth. Know. There's something going on there. Yeah. What are you fangirling over? Um, I'm fangirling over seasonally appropriate weather. Um, I'm fangirling over a 92% return to health. Uh, I still have this lingering cough that's, like, yeah. annoying. But but when you cough, I think you're dying. I know. It's weird. It sounds worse now than when I was actually sick, but I feel fine. It's very odd. But actually what I'm fangirling over, and I don't know the name for it, but I got a facial this past weekend, and um, I, like, treated myself. I upgraded to, like, a VIP situation. Oh. I mean, it was not. It was, like... more. Um, But my esthetician used this thing on me that she is referring to as the device. Oh, I want it. I asked if I could purchase it. It is like a combination of like lights. So it's like LED stuff and it has like a bunch of different options. And then there's like all these little things that kind of like tweak your facial muscles and stuff. (gasps) I I feel feel like like, it helped. Would this be good for my jaw? Maybe. I'm, as I woke up this morning with, like, total lockjaw because I'm stressed, apparently. I mean, my – I am I need to go to the dentist because I think I need a new mouth guard because I'm practically biting through it. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and it's, like, really hard plastic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so don't know what this thing is actually called. She referred to it as the device. I want one. Magic. The device. The device. But it wasn't, like, scary. It wasn't, like – no, like, needles were getting, like, poked into my face. Like, it's not, like, aggressive like some of that stuff can be. All about it. But as I asked if I could purchase one at home, she said no. Wow. They're not available for home consumption. So like, sorry. So I just have to do that every time now, I guess, until I'm dead. Yeah. That's what we do. Perfect. That's how it works. That's oh, how it works. we do have one more thing oh, yes. to fangirl over. Oh, my gosh. Uh, 
new listener, Veronica, sent us an email that was amazing, made our day. So I wonder, though, how long it's going to take for Veronica to hear this shout out because she said she was starting from the beginning. Yeah. So she's got 70 plus episodes to work through. But so Veronica, first of all, love the name Veronica. (laughs) She went to high school with Hey Arnold voice number two. Spencer Klein. Spencer Klein. And I think Spencer Klein was, like, the main one. Yeah. Like, that's the name that I remember, like, from credits. Uh, according, She said, according to IMDb, he did it from 99 to 2004. Yeah. So a pretty long time. The Lion Chair. And he did it for the movie. He came back. Yes. But so my favorite part was that she, like, loved Spencer Klein. Like, not because he was Hey Arnold. Maybe it helped. But because he was, like, a cool kind of theater kid, he made out with her friend, which I also loved. But <laughs> Spencer Klein is an pilot like a airplane pilot based out of chicago so you could get on like let's assume it's a united flight i don't know and you could hear hey arnold's voice like grown-up adult voice be like hey folks uh we'll be landing in 30 minutes like oh my god i would die do you think you would know i don't know i think somewhere I would, and it would drive me insane for probably, like, two weeks, and then I would have some sort of realization that it was Hey Arnold. Yeah, I get that. But she said that she basically, like, Helga Pataki'd Spencer. Which I love. (laughs) She was like, I was obsessed with I love anyone who Helga Pataki's anyone. But she would watch Hey Arnold to, like, fangirl over Spencer. I get it. Yes, I love this girl. By the way, I went to your desk yesterday and you're just like, hey, Arnold, little card sitting on your desk. That's my low-key Helga desk. Made me laugh so hard. But I was just like, you know what? This is why we do this podcast. Emails like that. Yeah. Right there. Loved it. Yeah, I love a I love a true connection. I love a and a real fangirl experience. Oh oh my god, that's like all of the above. So thank you, Veronica, for Giving yeah. us that glory. Welcome aboard. I immediately was like, Nally, you have to read this email. <laughs> like, I was so excited about it. Welcome aboard. Okay. Ooh. So last week, we didn't tell you what we were going to do because we didn't know. No. But we have decided. This has been sort of like a bee in my bonnet for a little while. Yeah, it's been lingering. It's been lingering. It's been something we've been talking about for Since a while. Since we did the last series. Similar. Yes. We are going to be talking about Cartoon theme songs. Oh, boy. Arguably the best theme songs. Oh, yeah. Because for some reason they always had theme songs. And yes. I think still very much do today. Even the, sh- uh, the ones that maybe we'll touch on a little bit that are just instrumental. Really Great. Stuck in your brain. Yes, they're perfect. Looney Tunes, right yeah. in there. In my brain. So we're going to do this the same way that we did our previous theme song series. We are going to do... 70s, 80s, 90s. You lit. We are going to <laughs> lump in the 60s with the 70s. Because really, this it's like kind of the same. Yeah. Same vibes. But also, I want to, I think we should just briefly shout out the pre-1960s. So when we oh, were yeah. going through this list, we were like, oh man, this has been around since the 30s. Like, totally. Theme songs have been killing it uh-huh. forever. <laughs> theme songs. Uh-huh. But so. It- there's Looney Tunes, obviously. <laughs> Instrumental. <laughs> Mighty Mouse. Uh-huh. Casper. Yeah. Tom and Jerry. Popeye. Yeah. Even Yogi Bear is like late 50s. It's crazy. It's all this stuff that you watched like in the 80s and 90s and you were like, oh yeah, weird. This seems kind of old. Kind yeah. of racist. <laughs> like there was always something that you were like, hmm, yeah. this feels off. But it's the so song, crazy lit. how Looney Tunes was so 
smart for the time and still today. Totally. Like you watch it and you're like, this is hilarious. Hilarious. Bugs Bunny, hilarious. Yes. Love Except it. like the racism. Except that. Which yeah. we don't watch anymore because they don't put on TV. No, they don't. They don't do that stuff. Good, good on you. Yeah. TBS or who, whoever is still airing it. So the way we did this last time, we were going to do this this time. We were going to do seven for 70s. I actually realize that, like, the vast majority of these are probably 60s. Yeah. But who cares? It's okay. We're, we're, lumping, we're lumping them together. So we are going to count backwards, starting with number seven. Would you like to go first? Sure. Number seven is underdog. When criminals in this world appear and break the laws that they should fear and frighten all who see or hear, the cry goes up both far and near for underdog. The opening credits of this, I forgot how much I liked. Yeah. And like how kind of moody it is. And <laughs> like, how like intense it is. Yeah, that's what I mean. Speed it's like, oh. of lightning. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, okay. So this came out in 1964. So what? What? Already. Right there. We've got great theme songs. Uh-huh. It's just hitting since, us. Since the beginning of time. <laughs> Jesus, where's your theme song? 64. Jesus, where's your theme song? <laughs> you know he has one. Oh, he has... He has albums. He has several. He has <laughs> several theme songs. Um, so the show's really remembered by its theme song. I yeah. mean, I do remember the show, but if you ask me, like, can you tell me what happened in Underdog? I'd be like, mm, he's a superhero, and the theme song is great. Yeah, and yeah, he's a dog. He's a superhero. Yeah. That's it. So it was arranged and produced by Robert Weitz with lyrics by Chester Stover, W. Watts Biggers, Treadwell Covington and Joseph Harris. So many people. It took four people to write this treasure. <laughs> wow. But it's been covered by a lot of people. Um, the band The Butthole Surfers covered a version for a, a tribute album of, of Saturday morning cartoon theme songs. Need that. Um, it was actually in like Wu-Tang Clan's <laughs> Wu-Tang Clan Ain't Nothing to Fuck With. Love. And you may remember the acapella version from Scrubs. Do you remember that? Oh, Yeah. I just had like an epiphany. <laughs> yeah. I got really hung up on the name The Butthole Surfers for a while. Mm. I was like, right, forgot yeah. about that. Um, I'm. Do we need this Saturday morning cartoon's greatest hits? I think so because I believe it makes the list again later <gasps> on. Ooh. Love so that. We should probably buy it. Um, yeah, it, it is true because I definitely remember the theme song more than the show. Like as I was watching um, a bunch of clips, I was like, mm. How many episodes of Underdog have I actually seen? That's a great question. And like, why not enough? I'm not sure. enough. But why did Underdog not like syndicate as well as other shows? Maybe question question, question for the have question for to. the ages. Okay, number six, Speed Racer. Here he comes! Here comes Speed Racer! He's a demon on wheel. He's a demon and he's gonna be chasing after someone. He's gaining on you, so you better let's go. Speed racer, go, speed racer, go. It's like weird because it the actual theme is a little bit different than how I sing it in my head. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm like, oh, that's not actually how it goes. So I'm I didn't do serious research on Speed Racer, but is this really the first mainstream anime? To come to the U.S.? It must be. And do you think people... He's, like, vaguely Asian. You know what I mean? Or, like... Yeah. I, when you watched it, you were probably like, wait, is he, like, 
Latino. Like it's like he's very ambiguous. ambiguous. Yeah, very definitely, definitely ethnically ambiguous. So this is September 23rd, 1967. Interesting the difference even just in three years between like underdog and speed racer musically and just like the way that the shows actually look themselves. Yeah. However, underdog falls into like a Hanna-Barbera umbrella. Yeah, which is very specific. Everything's the same. Mm -hmm. So this, uh, for American consumption, there's major (laughs) editing and dubbing efforts, weird, Um, were undertaken by Peter Fernandez who not only wrote and directed the English language dialogue, but also provided the voices of many of the characters, most notably Racer X and Speed Racer himself. Wow. What, what a guy. What a guy. Multi-talented. Um, he was also responsible for the rearrangement of the theme song's melody, which was written and composed by, I'm going to botch this, Nobuyoshi Koshibe. That's pretty good. You think so? I think that was pretty good. Okay. Yeah. And um, he subsequently wrote the English lyrics. You know, that's always the tricky thing where it's like, oh, okay, this sounds great in a foreign language, but then, like, you put in English lyrics or vice versa, yeah, and it's a hot it's mess. bizarre. Like, uh, this is a stupid example, but I was asking my nanny who grew up in Guatemala if they had Dr. Seuss, like, when she was growing up, and she's like, no, because it doesn't rhyme the same. And I'm like, of course it yeah. doesn't. Duh. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm a dumbass, but of course, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, great, great. But was there, like, something equivalent? Was there a Dr. Seuss of Guatemala? I, I hope so, but we didn't discuss it further. Um, but so uh, the theme was performed in the opening and closing titles by Danny Davis and the Nashville Brass. Love that. A lot of these themes. Nashville came, Brass. A lot of these themes come with like big band type of situations that I was what? unaware I think of. That's my new dream job. Being is, a big band. No, to provide like some kind of instrumental or vocal for a theme song. Oh, how fun would that be? To be the girl. Who, like who did Jem's voice, and then all of a sudden you're like popping up in the shitty Jem movie. Great, Ugh. dream. I mean, I'm not. You can be in a shitty movie someday. I'm not predicting Jim's gonna be number one for '80s, but it might be. <laughs> but it might be. Um, Davis though, and the National Breast didn't get a credit. Dicks. I mean, <laughs> why you'd go? Why you gotta do that? Speed racer. Like that's what I don't understand. So many of these themes, like, were just sort of like written. Like studio singers or studio musicians, and then it's like, no, this is a goddamn icon. Like, and you didn't get to benefit from it. I feel so bad for these people. That's how I always feel about SNL writers when, like, an SNL character gets, like, or the actor gets all the glory for a sketch, but it was written by a quiet writer. Yeah, Conan (laughs) O'Brien. Some nobody named Conan O'Brien. Nobody. Um, Okay. I feel like you have to do the next one. Okay. Number five Josie and the Pussycats. always forget about the drummer when she like loses her mind in the middle of it melody shakes yeah shaking Um, shaking (laughs) that 
that superb Hanna-Barbera animation. But it's like, diff it does look different than the others. Yeah, but it looks like all the other human Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Fair. It looks like Jabberjaw. It looks like Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they all, all the girls look the same. Exactly. So Josie and the Pussycats came out September 12th, 1970. Um, this theme song was written by one of our favorite people, Hoyt Curtin. You'll hear his name. Yeah. A bunch. I mean, he's composed several theme songs mm -hmm. that we're going to get into. Um, but Patrice Holloway, the singing voice of Valerie, actually sings the lead vocal on this recording of oh. the theme song. Okay. Um, the theme song was based on melodies from a tune played on various Hanna-Barbera cartoons since the Jetsons. So... Like I say, Hanna-Barbera always reuses the same things. Literally. They were just like, let's just tweak it a little bit yeah. for Josie and the Pussycats. Let's take this, like, bar, this musical note, and just stick it over here. Yeah. I uh, love so, that. So, with Patrice Holiday, the producers wanted to get professional singers to sing the singing parts of the band, because obviously they're going to be singing songs in every episode. So they had a talent search to find three girls who could match the way they look in the comic book and sing. Oh, tricky. Yeah. And they interviewed over 500 finalists and they landed upon Kathy Douglas, Patrice Holloway, and Cherie Moore, later known as Cheryl Ladd. Forget. And they cut an album and six singles for Josie and the Pussycats. Love. And I don't know if you've ever seen the cover, but they're just wearing black leotards and they look super cool. <laughs> they look because of course they super do. Super cool. We were doing this together, and I was like, oh, wait, I can't really remember the Josie and the Pussycats theme song, and I thought you were going to slash me I'm in the face. Like, are you kidding me? And you just, like, the look you gave me, I was like, yeah. give me a second. And I've I listened I, to a bunch of theme songs right now. I know I just said my dream is to be in a theme song, but uh -huh. I told my dad over the phone last week my dream is to be in a fictional band. It's kind of the same thing. This especially, like, oh, I have to be the voice of this cartoon band and actually put out a record as this band sure totally what a dream that is your dream what if you, that fictional band was like a band for children what is do you it, mean like a like a teddy bear band situation like you had to like perform songs that like weren't great is that still okay i don't know if i could do it like I don't you know if I could need to be, be like, like a rock star i couldn't fake be band. like as happy mm. for children bands you know what i mean yeah like if you had to play on the toddler tunes Spotify, yeah, uh, channel? I don't think I could. I don't have the energy. Okay, fair. Okay, I don't have so that fake energy. I just want to clarify where your fake dream starts and ends. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, great. So there are covers of this song. Same album, the Saturday Morning Cartoons tribute. Uh, Juliana Hatfield covered it. Oh. And of course, Cat Hanley of Letters to Cleo sang it on the Josie and the Pussycats soundtrack for the movie. Duh. Am I having a Juliana Hatfield, My So-Called Life, like... You are. Okay. Just wanted to make sure that I remembered where that name was coming from. Well, what from. I really love about this song is, like, the second verse is kind of... It's, like, all about travel. <laughs> so in the show, I, they they go places and they sing songs and stuff, but it's, like, see you in Persia or maybe France, and they're just, like, naming maybe. off places. Just countries. Yeah, like, and cities. Oh, yeah. It's, like, be with us in Bangkok. Yeah. yeah. What? Persia. I guess we still called it Persia then. Wasn't yep. it Iran? <laughs> nope. Okay. Um, I think that's it, but it's a great one. So our top four, we originally like did our individual lists, and then we had to do some negotiation around where things fell. Yeah. I was surprised that you put Josie and the Pussycats behind 
number four. I was going by like iconic. And not personal preference? Yes. Hmm. And I still think selfless. two and three are debatable for you and I. Yes, I we agree. We did not get there. No. So number four, before we jump the gun, George of the Jungle. George, George, George of the Jungle, strong as he can be. Watch out for that tree. George, George, George of the Jungle lives a life that's free. Watch out for that tree. When he gets in the street, he makes his escape with the help of his friend. And he thinks Yes, I mean, it's weird. Everyone knows that song, whether you know the cartoon or the Brendan Fraser movie. Oh my god. Like, you just know the song. And again, 1967. Like, our, your parents were like babies. My parents were like teens. Like, we... We had no business. We have no business knowing this stuff. You know what I mean? But everyone knows George of the Jungle. But, like, God bless syndication. We've said it once. I'll say it a million times. Is that what's on my tombstone instead of She Loved a Club? God God bless bless syndication. syndication. I mean, it's half the reason I know anything at all is syndication. Or anything that I love, love. Is because it was beat into me by syndication. I got more education from syndication than school. T-shirt. More education yeah. from syndication. So true. Um, okay, but so for George of the Jungle, each segment's theme song was written by the team of Stan Worth and Sheldon Allman. We really miss some of these names. Like people writing songs in the 60s had some great names. Mm-hmm. Um, just like that hot beat. Yeah. It's, it's just like it's in your head. It's so simple. So it simple. works so well. It's perfect. And also, the pause before, like, before yeah. tree? Like, Watch out for that tree. tree. Like, it's <laughs> like, so good. <laughs> and it's like, as a kid, it would get stuck in your head all the time. It's stuck in my head now. Like, now I just... It's going to be in your head. You're going to be in a meeting today. Yeah. Just thinking of that song. Yeah. And now Brendan Fraser. Because yeah. I kind of forgot about that part of he it. He's so smooth in that movie. So And they, smooth. like, boiled him up for no reason. He's very smooth in Encino Man, too. Very smooth individual. He pre-Riverdale. Pre- <laughs> we didn't know. Um, but I love it. I think it's interesting that we put it at four because I wonder if most people would put it that high. Like, do you think people would feel like Speed Racer is more memorable? Probably. But again, that you're getting, like, personal preference coming into That's play. That's true. I just wonder if it's, like, oh, top cartoons of the 60s. Like, these top four, I feel like, are universal. Everyone knows them. Yeah, the top three are hot I jams. think maybe if we did it the full list that way, maybe Speed Racer would be five. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. Well, we got to get into the hot, the hot tracks of three, two, one. Well, I feel like we were just talking about this we were. a few weeks ago. The Jetsons. George Jetson. His boy, Elroy. George Jetson. I, so my reasoning for putting this in number three is because there aren't as many vocals. It's like very simple. It's very and short. Just introducing the characters. Yes. Uh huh. It's narrative. And I know you were kind of leaning towards it being number two. I was because I love the Jetsons so much, 
as we previously talked about. And I mean, the instrumental is great. I'm not I'm not throwing it away. It's, no. Mm. All right. I feel like we gave a little bit of factoids when we covered we did um, our shows previously, but our our good friend Hoyt coming yeah. back coming back in back in the game. <laughs> he composed the music. For this and most Hanna-Barbera cartoons, mm-hmm. this show came out in 1962, let's not forget. Ahead of its time. And that the theme song actually was twice, slightly tweaked for the 80s. Slightly. There's slightly. A, there's a compilation video on they YouTube. They just, like, throw in some synth, it's 80s. A little bit of synth. Like, yeah. it's, you gotta be, like, listening for it. Yeah. You gotta know. And I mean, in your defense... This peaked at number nine on the Billboard charts in yeah. 1986, complete with a MTV music video. Which is kind of great. It's I watched the whole an thing. An honor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. The other thing that I liked is um, I was reading that the the people who owned, like, Hanna-Barbera at this time um, in the 80s, when it got, like, re-released and sort of redone, they were like, yeah, we kind of figured it was going to be a hit because they got requests all the time from people to cover it. And, like, it was constantly showing up in just, like, jazz musicians' sets. And I was like, I love that. that I would die. That's my dream. Being at a jazz club and they just break out into the Jetsons theme song. Or just, like, jazz versions of anything that I love. You know what I mean? Like, okay, cool. I'm into this. <laughs> Making jazz fun. Um, but the making jazz fun. Making jazz fun. But number nine, there are some other songs on this list that like make it under the Billboard top 100. Number nine. Yeah. Like eight away from number one. Eight away. That's insane to me. Like some I, of the most beloved songs of all time. I need to look up time. what was the number one song. Yeah, what was crushing it? Yeah. Yeah. And now I need to know too. Um, okay, here's where we get a little contentious. So you wanted number two to be number one. Yes? No. This is what I wanted for number two, I think. Number two? Because I was going for iconic over personal preference. Okay. But if I'm going personal preference, this is my number one. Okay. See, I'm, I believe our number one is number one, both iconic and personal preference. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I will do Scooby Doo. Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? We got some work to do now. Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? We need some help from you now. Come on, Scooby Doo, I see you. Pretending you got a sliver. You're not fooling me, cause I can see the way you shake. It's a perfect song. Um, okay, September 13th, 1969. It's composed by Ben Raleigh and David Mook. Mook. Um, Hanna-Barbera, by the way, tried to buy them out of the song, like tried to like fully buy the rights and be like, oh, thanks, here's $500. Yeah. And they were like, bitch, no. And so they chose royalties instead. Smart guys. Yeah. Sure. Super smart. They are crushing it. Um, it's very long. It's like oh, two yeah. verses. You if forget someone, about the second. If someone told me this were a 1910 Fruit Gum Company or Ohio Express song, I would 100% believe it because it's very of the time. Yes. It's a full-length song. What did I say? I said it. I'm like, it sounds like the monkeys perform Yeah. It. It's a bubblegum song. Yeah. It's perfect. Like you would completely One of my favorite genres. Bubblegum? Yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, I got deep down the Wikipedia rabbit hole of bubblegum songs last night, by the way. Uh, um, so the series theme song has been covered by several subscribers. 
subsequent artists, um, <laughs> including I ha- we have to play one of these, by the way, including. Okay. Matthew Sweet from the 1995 TV special and album Saturday Morning Cartoons. There's a TV we have special to get this album. God damn it! <laughs> now, now I need to know so much more. Third Eye Blind for the 1998 wow. film Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. Billy Ray Cyrus. What for Scooby Doo and the Witch's Ghost? Uh, the B-52s who will crop up again love, for Scooby Doo and the Cyber Chase. <laughs> MXBX for the live action what? Scooby-Doo film. Crystal wow. Harris for Scooby-Doo and The Legend of the Vampire. First of all, how many Scooby-Doo movies and specials are there? But my personal favorite that we have to play, Jennifer Love Hewitt no. for no. Scooby-Doo <laughs> and the Alien Invaders. Kind of love it. Wow, what a mess. What a mess. Kind of love it. But it's just like, it's iconic, you know? Of course all these people have covered it. You know people, it's like something they learn for the first time, like on the guitar or something, like because it's just like, it's in your head and you, you can't get out, you can't yeah. get it out of there. I love it. It really, <laughs> and it's just like, it's so perfect. <laughs> it, I mean, it's like, it's a very perfect song, only to be trumped in my opinion by number one, but like... The show is made – the show is kind of dumb. Kind of smart, kind of dumb. No. I mean, I think the show is smart, but it's just very repetitive. It's super repetitive. They do the same thing every time, and that makes it dumb. It's crazy to me that it's named after the dog. That's my thing. Like, I'm like, why? You don't think it should be called, like – wait, I said the mystery machine. Yeah, That's it was like, yeah, yeah, basically. It should be called the mystery machine or, like, something because it's like they're, f- like, fighting crime, essentially, or, like, but nefarious behavior. was – was or is your takeaway as a child? I guess. I don't know. I always like, I don't know. I like the girls. Yeah, me too. I mean, I was like, mm, they're cute. Um, and I was kind of like, these dogs, this dog is high. Like, I don't know. I was like, what's going on? That dog, something's wrong with that dog. And Scrappy Doo comes in. You're like, yeah. What? Shaggy seems like questionable. I, don't, I was like, why is he? He's not helpful. Like, I don't know. He's they just kind of there. They need someone to make them laugh. You know, I mean, during these tough times. That's true. I mean, I, again, when you start to think about, like, the timeline of these shows against what's going on in America, like, some tough stuff happening in 1969. Yeah. And it's like, here's our comic relief, this giant dog yeah. solving crime. And it worked. It did. It worked. <laughs> it's iconic. We got a lot of good movies out of it later on. Freddie Prince Jr. got more work. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah. They're just going to work as a lovely married couple. Great. Good for you guys. All right. Number one. Number one. Should be obvious, I think, by now. If it's not, you don't know us, I guess. The Flintstones. Hoyt Curtain strikes again. Hoyt Curtain. But Hoyt Curtain with Joseph, Barbara, and William Hanna. 
I forget that they have real names, that they're real people. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, yeah, you were William Hanna. You think they're like a Dave and Buster. Kind Which of. are probably also real people. Probably. But I assume they're not. Um, the shocking thing to me is that the theme song doesn't start until season three. Yeah. They re-add it for syndication for seasons one and season two. I can't imagine just jumping right in. No, it was like an instrumental. It was, like, music, because, you know, it's kind of like him starting his day, yeah. so it was, like, wake-up music and then, like, going to bed music, and I was like, what? I no. mean, this is 1961, so number one is the earliest, I think, on this list. Mm-hmm. 1961? One for one. Uh, again, we got a big band going on. It's recorded with a 22-piece big band Love. and the Randy Van Horn Singers. Yep. Great. Great. Um, they also, it was inspired by Beethoven. Is that why we love it? Maybe, because no. it feels smart and classical. <laughs> By the way, I listened to this. Unlike us. It's Beethoven's Piano Sonata Number 17, The Tempest. I listened to it. Didn't get it. No. Okay. We're not on their level. No, we're de- I'm, I'm definitely not on Hoyt Curtin's level, for sure. Um, my, this is my favorite thing about this, though, particularly when thinking about the Jetsons. So this was covered by the B-52s. B-52s. Viva like, Rock Vegas. The movie? Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're in the movie, remember? Yes, I remember. As the BC 52. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Stone Age jokes. <laughs> um, why were the why were the B 52s in such high demand for covering? Because they're fun. I mean, they are fun. That's true. So they cover this for the Flintstones movie. This peaks at number 33 on the Billboard Top 100. So, like, what is going on with the Jetsons that it's peaking at number nine? What? Maybe some people just don't like the B-52s. Maybe. So if the Flintstones theme song had been re-released as is, maybe it would have made the top 10. Oh my god, is that our plan? We just like infiltrate the Billboard Top 100 with cartoon theme songs? Yes. But the B-C-52s, they add another verse. So maybe people were like, well, this is not the original. There's controversy. I'm not listening Mm. to this. I get that. Because the Jetsons one is literally like... The one minute and 20 seconds. Yeah. Like, that would just come on the radio and you'd be like, "Uh uh-huh. And if it is something you love, like, I'm this way, like, I don't want most covers of it. Like, don't touch it. It's perfect. Mm, That's interesting. I mean, not all cases, but I feel like a lot of times I don't like covers of things that I already love. Yeah, that's fair. So maybe people weren't on board. Or it's like if people do cover it and they sing it in, like, a different way, you're like, no, no. Just do it in your voice, but the exact same way that it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Don't make it, like... Oh, we hear some questionable covers in our office that make me put my earbuds in. (laughs) I can't name any right now. Is it like a Spotify cover channel? I think it is. It's really bad. Um, So overall, I I just think, I mean, we mentioned this before. I think you could say that Flintstones theme is in the top five theme songs of all time. Probably. You mean the Mindy Project doesn't make it? (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> minty project um yeah i think it's just it has made that show what it is without the theme song if it continued to be just that instrumental it just would have been the honeymooners but yeah historic. i think we would have forgotten about it a little bit like whereas the jetsons which we both said we loved more you know is sort of longer lasting because it it has a specific look, like it sort of like predicted the future in a lot of ways. It felt different. I think the Flintstones might have just kind of like fallen by the wayside. Mm-hmm. But that that theme song is just like 
it's I mean it's it's marketing. That's what a theme song is, right? And so it's like if you're getting the theme song stuck in your head, you're thinking about the show all the time because you're like, yeah, I'm literally singing the name of the show constantly. I will say I skip it when I watch it, but the Big Mouth theme song stays in my head a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, interesting. It's on my it's my next on my list. Just told a friend that okay. season one and season pretty two. Good. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Okay, is that it? That is it this week. So next week we'll do eight for 80s. Ooh, Ooh it's going to get tough. I just can't wait to talk about Jim again. I oh know it's on the list. Jam! I love it. I It's in my top 10 theme songs, period, period? across the board. Because it's a jam. Yeah. It is a gem jam. It's like 1,000% better than the show. <laughs> oh, yes. Absolutely. That should be a rating, too. Like, is the theme song better than the show? For Underdog, maybe yes. Yeah. I mean, for most of these, maybe yes. Maybe, yeah. For a lot of the hand of you really are diving in. Yeah. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to every Sid and Marty Croft show because they're not animated, but they are children's shows. Mm-hmm. Every one of them has a good theme song, and it killed me that I could not then put them on this list. list. It'll be a series for another time. Yes. Children's shows with great themes. Only Sid and Marty Croft. Very specific. A series by me. <laughs> a series by Natalie. I'm just silently <laughs> like, not uh-huh. there. Uh-huh. Great. Okay, guys. As always, send an, us an email, like our good new friend Veronica at hellofangirls at gmail.com or find us on social. Everywhere. We're everywhere. everywhere. Michelle Branch. Everywhere you want. I know. We've said that before. But I don't care. I love it's it. It's true. Everywhere you want to be. So until next Friday, guys. Bye. Bye.